Good evening and welcome to Pod 58. We are two again this week and Cookie again two weeks in a row, which never happens. And well, Arsenal never win four out of four anyway, so it's all gone Pete Tong at the minute. But Cookie, welcome back. Welcome it's back. a bank holiday miracle. It is. It is. How are we doing? How are we doing? Yeah, we're, we're all right. We're good. Um, result didn't go away this weekend, but there we go. We'll come on to that later. That's all good. Let's get cracking then. So the first game we're going to cover off, and I'm, I'm going to do it in order this time because of the significance um, off the back of the other result um, from the Monday week. Now, obviously, we didn't cover that game, so United uh, were away to Southampton this weekend. Um, off the back of a pretty impressive performance last week and um, the big question going into this game was can they do it consistently can they repeat the result get three points as expected off the back of a big result and um, they answered a few critics didn't they? I think they did put a few people in the place I mean I, I said to a few people about that if they were ever going to get their season back up and running Liverpool would have been the perfect game to start a run going or start their season. Obviously, they've made some, you know, they've made a big signing in Casemiro during the week. I think his introduction into the squad and that would have been a massive boost to some of them as well, especially as a help in that midfield where it's so crucial for them, where they've had to put up with McFred for these past couple of years. And they did okay on the weekend. I mean, it wasn't the best performance again. It's not quite there yet with him. I mean, I still think Ericsson's playing well out of position. But again, Casemiro will fill the void. And the goal threat is still not quite there yet with, obviously, Ronaldo's situation. But they got the job done in the end. Yeah, it was an interesting game. Obviously, Traditionally, it's a game that they probably would have struggled with, to be honest, regardless of results from previous weeks. Um, so the pressure was on a little bit, I think, because a lot of the media and the people outside looking in were looking at how they'd react after that Liverpool game. And, you know, they rode it out. It wasn't easy by any stretch. It has to be said, uh, Southampton themselves gave a really good account of themselves, actually, and probably you know, on the one hand, probably feel a little bit frustrated slash unlucky for the fact that they didn't come away with more. Um, You know, we say about Southampton every week, it's only four games in, but we, you know, I've said a couple of times that I think the way they've gone about their recruitment, um, it'll be hit or miss. They'll either do okay or they'll probably fall away a bit. And for the most part, so far um, this season, barring um, at the beginning of the season when they played, I think it was Spurs, um, you know, they've given a good account of themselves. They were unlucky, as I say, at times. Um, young players, you know, they look... Rebo looked good. He was another standout as well. Um, Lavia looks a really good player in midfield. They're only 18 years old as well. Young kid, and, and Bella Kotchup as well, who... Um, I know Palace were eyeing for a couple of years. Um, you know, they got them at a snip for nine million quid Southampton in the end, or 10 million quid. And um, he doesn't look out of place either. He looked, you know, pretty decent in the back line there. Southampton will be a bit, you know, disheartened. But I think, well, disheartened is the wrong word. They'll be disheartened they didn't get more from the game. But I think overall the fans will be happy about how they stepped up and um, handled themselves against United. Obviously, they're not, um, you know, 
Man United aren't the United of old, but they're certainly a team potentially on the upward curve. So, but they did make it tough. A um, couple of talking points from me. Um, first things first, the the handball, Scott McTominay, in your opinion. <laughs> Good God almighty, how many times was he juggling that ball with his hand? <laughs> I mean, the first couple, I would have thought, okay, you might get but three times. I, I think it's handball. Yeah, Personally, I think I think it's it's too close. It once maybe is an accident, but two, three, you can't get away with that, can you? Yeah, I must admit, I thought looking back at it, the first the first action of play where they basically deemed it handball or not, you could say accidental. There wasn't a lot he could do with you know his body. No. And okay, the way it then bobbled around on his arm quite comically after that a second and third time. Albeit that's an accident, but you know how many accidents can you let get away um, yeah, um, in the penalty box? I mean, I know it's not, as I say, I don't think he was purposefully looking to do it, but when it happens once, two, and three times, I mean, he you might can well react then... to get away from the second or third time. But there you go. Yeah. So I think Southampton could feel a little bit aggrieved with that, but um, as I say, they didn't get the pen. The game carried on, and um, you know, you're not, and let's face it, the United of old may have well have caved in with that result because, as I say, they, you know, United did have their chances, but as I say, it wasn't an easy ride. Um, one thing I will say, and I mentioned it last week because he's a player that gets a lot of or got a lot of criticism before he'd even kicked the ball for United. I'm going to say again, I was actually impressed yet again with Lissandro Martinez. Um, you know, a lot has been made about. He's high and can he cut it in the Premier League? But he looks a tidy player, confident on the ball. Um, and, you know, he puts a shift in and gets himself about and really digs in. So I I actually think he looks like a decent signing, to be honest. And if, if Casemiro, you have to say with United, if Casemiro has the same effect as Martinez... And Malachi, he's another one who I think for fourteen million pounds has looked an absolute bargain. He oh, looked, he started well, didn't he? He's fit straight in at left back. He he looks like a really decent signing. Um, and if you give Martinez the fair crack of the whip as well, I actually think on pay. I mean, obviously it's been sporadic. It's been. I think he's got tougher tests to come. Oh, 100%. I think Liverpool. Liverpool weren't on it when they played him in Southampton. Okay, you kind of expect him to be one of those where he just does the job, but I think he's got he's got bigger tests to come this week. Definitely not so much midweek, but next weekend, mm. um, and then your lot next after that. Um, but so I think for me on paper, in fairness to United, now I'm not saying. I mean, you look at who they've got him so far. So obviously, Anthony's been well documented that he looks like he's on the verge. So they've brought in Malachi, they've brought in Ericsson, they've brought in Martinez and they've brought in Casemiro. To be fair, now Man United are always going to suffer with the Man United tax because yes. clubs know they're desperate. So I, with Anthony, I fully agree. If he comes in for 100 million euros, it's an outrageous deal for Ajax, as in a really Too good match. And given the stats, but at the end of the day, Man United wanted the player and they've got the player at the end of the day, right? So it's one of them. It looks like a pretty good window to complement 
the other potentials to the Fernandes. And the only thing for me, I mean, they've got the resurgence. Sancho looks like he's back in the groove again. So this could be, and again, it's only Liverpool and Southampton that have done this, and they're going to have to do this consistently. Um, potentially, the, along with Anthony as well, maybe Ten Hag is going to start unlocking that potential that hasn't really shown itself for the last... They definitely they definitely run on confidence, though. I think a lot of them players that you've just listed off there, they're going to run off confidence. If, it, if all of a sudden they do well in midweek, but then we put them to the sword on Sunday at Old Trafford, their confidence is just going to be completely drained again and they're going to have to start from scratching their way back up. I mean, yeah. the likes of Sam, they've got players in there that heads drop so quickly still in Bruno, Rashford, Sancho, McTominay or Fred, depending on who's in. You know, the higher his head goes down, you see that sometimes. I think they just need a run of games where they just don't, they, they have to gel. It's going to be a long process for Man United to get back competing. No, it's a work in progress, but, you know, he's he's weathered a bit of a storm because that Liverpool game could have given... And the, he has spent nearly a quarter of a billion pounds if this Anthony deal goes through this summer. So there oh, no, will yeah. be a lot of pressure. No, there will be a lot of pressure. There will be, you're right. And I think anything less than top four for them this season is going to be... It's a failure. Yeah. It's a failure, yeah. Now, you look at the other clubs in and around that top four and the resurgence of Spurs because Spurs arguably of game ground on United now. Last season, season before, you could probably say not, but, you know, Spurs are fortunate that they have. And um, they've gone ahead of them. So the pressure's on United a bit, but with that kind of money being spent, like you say, you've got to, um, early days, as I say, a lot can be, you know, written now, but ultimately he's going to be judged. We're now coming into Europe as well, with the fixtures coming out as well. That will be the main test, but they're not the only ones who've got that test to come. 100%. Moving on then, and um, we'll, we're going to go to the Emirates. Um, Arsenal 2, Fulham 1. Um, a little more dramatic than I anticipated, if I'm honest. Fulham, with all due respect to them, have had a really good start to the season, all things considered. I don't think anyone could foresee their start of the season. But they um, certainly didn't make it comfortable for you guys. And no, they did not. Bit of a roller coaster that. What did you uh, what did you make of it? Uh, it's one of those ones where you do everything right but score, and then it all it takes is one mistake, and that you're suddenly one nil down. I mean, Fulham played well, they did do very well. You know, two banks of four, kept it nice and tight, trying to keep Mitrovic, you know, they were working their asses off, did everything right. You know, Odegaard pulling the strings for us. Like, he's made a really good start to the season. All of a sudden, him being given the captaincy is resurrected. You know, he's pushing everyone else up. I have to when... admit, I have to admit it. It's the first time I watched him. I know I've criticised him before. Yes, you have. I have. I have. Go on. And the first three games, I'm going to say it, you know, I I didn't really watch them, but the game against Fulham was the first one where I watched Arsenal from minute one to minute 90. And the full games are not highlights, so I really got to see what he was about. Now, granted, it was Fulham. Granted, you're at home. 
But from what I saw, he it's certainly was, he was orchestrating that midfield, and there's no doubt his influence in that game in terms of the turnaround of the result. Um, that's what he. Pl- that's how he plays. He's played like that for however long he's been at Arsenal. It's just now being noticed and picked up a bit more when he's got a bit more quality in and around him. And he's now starting to add goals. He's getting into positions where he's not thinking about passing it off. He's actually thinking, right, I'm going to put this and stick this in the corner. But anyway, um, Fulham, they were very, very tough to beat. I mean, they made this good start. They know they've got some of them been in there before and thought, right, we're not going to get humbled now. We're going to actually turn up and have a go at teams. I don't know what Mitrovic, I mean, was it three three goals in the last Premier League season? Was nowhere near good enough. I think they said they fell out with the manager there at the time. Went went back down to the Championship, scored a ridiculous ton, record amount of goal scoring and whatnot. And he's come up with a purpose to, to say, look, I'm not this three goal, you know, up and down striker who's going to get you know, he's going to be off into the distance. I'm going to make my name now with the Premier League. He's tried it at Newcastle. Didn't quite work out from there, but he's a different animal this time round. With someone of his built and height and, you know, his application. Definitely know he can finish, you know, only needs is one chance, one goal. Proved that on Saturday. It's the same for Fulham, just on Fulham, because I think they've had a very good start to the season. I think they were, you know, they were unlucky against you as well, because I think, you know, ultimately quality told in that game. Yes. The only thing for Fulham, I think they've really surprised, well, they've surprised everybody, because I remember pre-first game of the season, the first com- press conference that um, Marco, Marco Silva, Silva had. Yeah. He's very vocal about not having enough, you know, I even mentioned it, I think we spoke about it on the first couple of pods, the fact that he hasn't got enough centre-backs, not enough competition, and at this level it's not good enough. And he's kind of maintained that um, that level of vocalness throughout, you know, the first few games of the season in terms of the squad are doing really well, they're, you know, doing what they can, but, you know, he needs more, um, he needs competition and stuff. I think, unfortunately for Fulham, all this early gusto is great, but I think ultimately they're downfall. Now, obviously, there's still a couple of... You know, the transfer yeah. window doesn't close until Wednesday night or Thursday. Ultimately, though, the next couple of days is crucial for them because I think, unfortunately for them, now there is a World Cup break, um, but I do think their downfall will ultimately end up being the you know the short shortness of numbers in terms of having yeah. options in the squad to help out. Um, Mitrovic is going great guns at the moment, but they need a backup to him defensively. You know, they've not performed badly defensively, but they do need backup and help should injuries, injuries, you know. Again, if they get points on the board now and ride the wave of Mitrovic putting them in the, you know, and feeding him, you know, they've got players that can take set pieces and whatnot. They get points on the board now. They could be, they could probably handle it a bit later on down the line. I mean, the next fixtures doesn't help that off that much either. I mean, Brian at home, Tottenham away, and Chelsea at home. Mm. But I mean, 
points points and early goals for teams like Fulham and that do make a big difference when it comes to the last six games of the season. No, it does. It does. And I think probably that's been the squad and the manager's motivation so far is like, look, yeah. we know when the transfer window closes, let's do what we can. I mean, let's face it, they would have had Liverpool down as zero points and Arsenal down as zero points. And, you know, they've come away. They could have nicked it at your place. And, you know, they nicked the point. They could have easily got three against Liverpool. Well, exactly. So, day. so it's not a disaster, but I think for them, it's going to be a case of the owners probably regret regret not. And, and it's an interesting one because options are clearly there, but obviously the money's not at the moment. But who knows? Who knows? Right, moving on then. So, I mean, there was goals galore, to be honest, at the weekend. And this game was one of them, didn't disappoint with six. Man City 4, Crystal Palace 2 wasn't a televised game. I mean, my head was all over the place for this one, to be honest. 2-0 up at the Etihad. I felt like it was too early. I think I jokingly said in the WhatsApp group, you know, with with Bolton too soon. Um, Extremely unlucky, in my opinion, to not have a third goal and be 3-0 up when we should have been. Um, On that, yeah. I was going to say, on that, when did this become a law? Well, about... Releasing the football when the goalkeeper's rolling out because, from what I see, the ball's been released from his hand and Edward stuck his leg out. Well, the block it and he's blocked it. The best definition I've seen of this, and I'll keep this short because I've only got a few minutes on this game. Yeah, the best de- definition I've seen of this is I don't know if you saw it this morning, um, I saw it on the Twitter feed, but Stephen Warnock on Sky Sports, um, was sitting down with. I think it was Gallagher, one of the um, PGMOL um, officials and a couple of TV presenters. And they asked Stephen Warnock's opinion. He's obviously an ex-footballer. And he said, well, a goalkeeper rolling the ball out to a player, to him, is as good as a pass. So when you go to pass the football with your foot, the minute you use your foot, it starts rolling. That's true. The The same with a goalkeeper throw. If he's released it with his hand, that's a pass. Because that's intention of you're giving the ball to that player. Well, yes. So he's passed the ball to that player using that technique. And I don't know what Jermaine Genus was um, smoking on Match of the Day. Where he's saying, oh, I don't think it quite left his hand. The ball quite clearly was fully released (laughs) and in motion. Edward wouldn't have stuck his leg out if he didn't know that they completely released it. It's Good different goal. if he goes to block the football if he knows Edison hasn't released it. That's different. But the ball's out. The ball's in play. Oh, it's complete ball. As far as I'm concerned. You know, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's a perfectly good goal chalked off. And like um, you said, that becomes 3-0. That's oh, well, a different, I think it's game. A different game. And it sounds stupid because 2-0 up should be game over. But you're Yeah, because it's Man City. Yeah, this is Man City. So, yeah. yeah, I think absolute rubbish. Um, on the flip side, though, Man City's quality told. And, you know, for me, this is why the five-sub rule works really well for the big clubs like, you know, Man City's and Liverpool's because it gives them the ability to change games. Um, not that that really mattered because it was ultimately Haaland that had the, uh, you know, final say with his hat-trick. They are looking a bit um, defensively weak, though, at the minute. You can get at Man City um, so far. And, you know, another half-hour... Especially set pieces. 
Another half argument is that Haaland could have been red carded in another game. Now, Anderson's head mm-hmm. was going towards the ball, but it was still a high foot by definition. In another game, that could have been a red as well. So, look, all in all, Man City eventually come out on top, as expected. But, you know, as a Palace fan, I can say that was quite disappointed because seeing them 2-0 up um, at half-time was great. But, you know, it wouldn't be one that we had down as three points. So I can't be too hypercritical. The only thing I will say is the first couple of goals they scored, City, so to make it 2-1 and 2-0, I felt like the defending was a little bit meh. But again, you know, you're defending there at Haaland, who's probably yeah. the forward in the world right now, arguably. So um, is what it is. Um, Brighton leads. Um, Brighton again. You know, another goal coming up against an informed Leeds as well. You know, Leeds have had a decent run for the season as well. Um, was a good game to watch, but Leeds didn't quite hit that same level as they had in that game, to be honest, I don't think. And, um, you know, they might be slightly disappointed with that. But the application was there, nothing to be concerned about. They had a couple of half chances, but, you know, Brighton managed to sneak a win in there and... I mean, you can't say fairer than that at the minute again with them this season. is difficult. Say there on a crack in August. I mean, they're selling their best players for a ridiculous amount of money, yet they're still managing to win games at the minute. I mean, Graham, again, Graham Potter, he's doing a ridiculously good job with what he's working with right now. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Pascal Gross is in the form of his life as well. That That's helping. He's got, what, four goals? Yeah, and it'll I mean, be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens because again, Brighton had a similar start last season, if you remember, where they did pretty yes, well. Yes, they did, and then it went downhill. So, but again, they're doing getting the points early on the board. Where if they do have a blip, they can afford to have a blip or two. Yeah, I mean, they're doing they're doing the job at the minute. As for Leeds, it's a little bit disappointing. I think they have made a good start to the season. It is starting to tail off, maybe just a little bit. The whole Rodrigo, I mean, if he doesn't score, who else they've got around him? But again, I think on another day that could have been that could have been a nil-nil draw, and we could be looking at it thinking, well, both teams are on eight points. So well, they've got know. also, I think, for Leeds, the true test of where they're gonna be is gonna be the next three games, because they've actually got a decent run of games coming up on paper. They've got Everton at home tomorrow, I think it is. Um, yeah. Brentford away, which will be tough, but there's opportunity there to get points. Brentford have been, you know, inconsistent this season. And um, Forest at home as well. So they've got two. Oh, wow. They do need, if they get good, they get six six points from them minimum. Then it, I it, think that. Um, for me, I had Leeds down as struggling this season, but I think this is going to be the true test now. And I know I say that because they've just played a similar team in Brighton, but these next three games. I think it's going to be a true measure as to where where they're really at um, in terms of expectation because, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that slight setback because it wasn't a bad performance by Leeds by any stretch, um, but it is a defeat. And, um, you know, Everton up next to Ellen Road, both, you know, Everton under pressure there. So it'll be interesting. And as for Brighton, as you say, I mean... Graham Potter's stock seemingly grows again, but you know we'll see what happens and whether they maintain it. Um, 
on to the next then. I mean, I don't even, I don't even have much to say on this, to be honest. Where do you even start on this one? There's just no words for this, is there? Liverpool nine, Bournemouth nil. Now, what I will say is, I, <laughs> I I'm not surprised because I did fear that. Oh, I don't know. I'm a little bit surprised. Well, I, I didn't expect Bournemouth to do anything, if I'm honest. But I did fear that this game, there was a team that were going to get the on the end of an absolute bollocking. Um, because Liverpool haven't been at it. And I think I said last week, unfortunately, Bournemouth have got Liverpool next. So I yeah. think the whole Liverpool struggling narrative probably temporarily gets switched off a little bit. But boy, oh boy, did they put pay to that because not only did they send a message out to say they were metaphorically back, um, you know, they did yeah, so 5-0 up at half-time. Um and I think, look, look, the biggest talking point for me is, number one, Roberto Firmino out of nowhere, all of a sudden became a key. He had, I think it was three assists and he got in amongst the goal as well. Three, uh, yeah, three uh, assists, two goals. Three assists, two goals. But not only that, much to the despair of every fantasy Premier League player out there who probably captained Salah, <laughs> being one of them, <laughs> the next segment after this, which is about the fantasy Premier League, um, he did not do a single thing. He did not even manage an assist. And that didn't even me, get a shot on target. I, I mean, that, that that for me, out of a nine-nil game, is the biggest. That's frightening. Well, that's frightening, isn't it? I mean, for that alone, I think I'm going to transfer him out, and he'll probably go ahead and score a hat trick then. But. Um, <laughs> He's not started great. He's normally one that starts off quite well a season, but he's been a bit slow. Well, he's you know, not completely at it, or is he missing his mate in um, Munich right now? It could be that, or could it be the fact a bit of complacency? Because rather than or getting has he got moved, his deal and he's all back. of a sudden sat back. Yeah, you know, you never know. Not, he's, I don't think he's that type of player, but you know, he's won the Premier League, he's won the Champions League with Liverpool. Is no, he's won it all, yeah. Is there much else? So, I don't know. That's that's another story. But, look, reality is they were at Anfield. They were playing the weakest team in the league. They should have won emphatically. And they, they did. Have. They did, but I don't think anyone expected that. Um, but that is a message. That is definitely a message sent to the rest of the league. Is like, right, we're not, be, we're not at our best right now. And our midfield is completely shot to bits. But you give us an inch and we'll take a mile. Probably, certainly. You know. They certainly did that. They certainly did that. Right then. So that's all the games wrapped up. I don't have anything else to say on that because it was the most ridiculously one-sided game ever. I did briefly mention there the Fantasy Premier League. And I have to say, thanks Mo Salah for nothing. Um, (laughs) Again, I mean, poor Scott must have the weight of the the whole world on his shoulders at the minute because he is... um, well, he's holding up everyone else because, as I understand it, I could be completely wrong. No, um, I think both of you are. Yeah, don't don't ruin my flow there or try and talk me down because the reality is... Oh! I speak too soon. Both of you. <laughs> what are you doing? The experts here. I had it here to say that, you know, Scott was had the weight of the world on his shoulders and he was carrying everyone else. But 
he snuck ahead from yesterday. So well done, Scott. You are finally after four weeks in off the bottom by five points. Um, Kossi, I mean, you've had a fairly decent run at 76, but shout out to Kossi here, who's just out of nowhere came Captain, in with a 95. Captain Harland. Which Harland, I mean, <laughs> where'd you even start with this? Captain Harland, Diaz gets him 14 points on the same week that Sterling decides to turn up and get 15 points. Oh, same week damn. that Dyke gets 12 points. Perisic gets six points and Alisson gets a clean sheet. So, I mean, with all the will in the world, you know, he's, and again, just to rub it in, he kind of makes out that he's not really took any notice of it. So, yeah, of course he hasn't. No one of them. So that then means, you know, you're, well, you're in terms of the pod, you're holding us all up because you're second. Cossie's hot on the trail though, only a point behind. Three of us all within a point. I mean, yeah. if I get my captaincy issues spot on, I think I'd be all right. And although it is a double game week this week, so all to play for. I believe so. I believe so. So we'll see, but I'm not holding up much hope because if you captain Salah against Bournemouth and get no return on it, then I'm really sorry. Well, help me go on. There's no hope. There is absolutely no hope. Um, so moving on, on to, on to the next... Uh, Bet Builders wasn't particularly successful again, I don't think. We went in for the Spurs game this weekend. Both teams to score. Forrest let us down on that front and it never really got going. So uh, another wipeout for us this, this week, I'm afraid. Um, final thing, uh, we uploaded a, a little poll for you this week. So out of all the managers, so we had four contenders here. Who was getting sacked first? Yes, we're only four games in, but it's already the subject of much contention with some clubs more than others at the minute. Um, Gerard, Rogers, Bruno Larg, and Lampard. 140 votes. Never would have thought of this at the beginning of the season, but Frank Lampard was bottom of the votes on 3%. Stevie G at Villa is out on top, got 54% of the votes. So... You know, just over half of you think that he's going to get sacked first. Se- second choice, that. And a fairly big gap here, surprisingly, given their problems and the recent sale of Fafana since subsequently being confirmed. Brendan Rodgers of Leicester in second, second favourite to be sacked first. Bruno Larg, only 12% think he'll be sacked first. And then, as I say, Lampard on bottom. We'll come on to Villa in a bit, but any surprises there for you, Cookie, just quickly? Uh, not with the winner, with the way things are going. I mean, I don't think Bruno Large will go anywhere. I think Wolves will be fine. Um, I mean, we'll go on to them in a bit. I think they'll be fine. Rogers, Leicester. I mean, I don't know if the owners are. Uh, I think there's something if he might walk first. I don't know if think he necessarily gets sacked first, but he could be one to turn around and be like, Do you know what? You're not putting your money where your mouth is. You know, we could, we're going to get 70 million. You've held out for Fafana to get all this money. I need someone in. If they don't do nothing, he could well walk. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that one's a different one. Lampard, I mean, I think just Everton's just a mess still. I think they're still paying the price from bad investment a few years ago. Yeah. And, Je- and, and Villa, I mean, that squad and what they're doing right now... I mean, Wednesday could be a defining 
I know we're only, what, four games in, but if they start off badly against Arsenal on Wednesday, that is going to be quite telling. But no, not for me. Not surprises there at the minute. Well, then, let's let's go on to that then. So one of the managers that we just mentioned there is going to be a part of this one. Just before I come on to this game, though, just to quickly mention, obviously, we are into the um, realms of the transfer window, the latter parts of it. Obviously, just as we recorded last week, uh, Casemiro was on the verge of basically being signed. He's obviously since gone through. Um, Deli Ali has moved from Everton to Pesitas. So I think... Stranger on that. Strange one, but he's not been able to get his you know, career up and running. Interestingly, Lampard's remarks this week said that he's worked quite closely with him, but he's, he ultimately said until Deli Ali realises the... Um, They've all said that about Deli Ali. He's definitely one, I think, needs to have an arm round him at all times. Well, I think... It's almost I'm like he can't be trusted with his own decisions and, you know, his own attitude and that. He has to be constantly fed, drip-fed... I think, to be honest, I just think he's fell out of love with the game, I think. Yeah. Lampard's remarks about him. You don't go to Turkey to go play football, really, do you? Well, it's not that. Let's be honest. I just think if Lampard and Everton couldn't rescue him, and Lampard are quite highly rated him, for Lampard to come out and say, until he realises the dedication and application you need to put in training at this level again, that, you know, that for me sums it up. Um... Neil Mulpay, Brighton to ironically, Brighton to Everton. And we'll come on to Everton in a bit and their struggles. But, you know, if he's the answer to replacing Richarlison, I think they're in big trouble um, with all due respect to Mulpay. Um, Forrest with about signing 101. Renan Lodi from Atletico Madrid um, has just come in on loan with the um, potential to buy as well. Um, they're in for a couple of others. So, Serge Aurea, I think, is one that they're close on as well. Um, yeah. so there's potentially a couple more players to come in at Forest. unbelievably. They've been working in batshit mode over the transfer. With <laughs> power of it. Um, That's Ross mad. Barkley, Ross Barkley released from Chelsea. Interesting in that I don't think he's in the same boat as Deli Alli. I don't think his love for the game's gone, but I think he just needs to find a club where he's playing regularly. Strange that they terminated his deal, though, um, now. Well, I think... They've not tried... Big wages, the fact he's not going to play, probably thought they'd cut their losses, to be honest, I reckon, is probably the reason behind that. Um, Mm. And the two most recent... Big, big talking points. Um, So one as recently as today. uh, Lucas Paqueta, who was linked with... Arsenal and a couple of Premier League clubs, Newcastle as well, has gone to West Ham United. And that, for me, is a really interesting one. I think he's a good technical player. It took a while to find his former AC Milan after much um, speculation. Um, you know, AC Milan were the winners in Europe when he first joined from um, Brazil. Didn't quite work out for him there. He then went to Lyon and kind of rediscovered himself a bit. So, Quite a coup that potentially for West Ham. Intrigued to see how he gets on there. And Not um, money. And the big talking point, finally, um, I guess we can say, is that Newcastle have indeed, as we probably expected them to at some point, broken their transfer record and brought in Alexander Isaac from Real Sociedad. Very um, good player. Big potential. Big Very player. good player. Stats doesn't do him justice. 
no, we will see what happens there. Obviously, bit of a boost for them because I've always maintained, you know, they're only an injury away from Bruno Gamares or Callum Wilson to struggling. And Bruno Gamares got a knock on um, on Sunday and missed the game against Wolves, which we're going to come on to in a sec. Callum Wilson was obviously out as well. And I thought they looked a bit blunt, but it seems like he could well be the answer. So very, very excited to see how he gets on in the league. Coming on to Newcastle and Bruno Larg, as we've just discussed um, a couple of minutes ago as well. So the game ended 1-1. Um, it was a fairly entertaining game, if I'm honest with you. It was, for a 1-1 game, it was quite, and given the two teams involved, um, brilliant game of football, it has to be said. Goals there to be admired, both of them. Both, yeah. Oh, I mean... Oh. Ruben Neves, I think that is the best. I've always said this about Wolves. Wolves are always one where people talk good of them, but every time I watch them, they look crap. Um, but, and, you know, they've struggled again this season. Um, they have struggled again. And, you know, but they've brought in some good players, some very good players. And they, they, they look a threat. They do generally look a threat and they looked good. You know, Neves, I haven't seen Neves play that well for them, you know, I can say now for a fair while, but I thought he really kind of pulled the strings for them in that midfield um, in that game. He had a brilliant game and obviously capped it off with a fine, fine goal. Um, Newcastle, I thought they were really good. They battled, but they did miss Bruno Gamares in that midfield because I felt like Wolves mm-hmm. had the better of the midfield battle there and obviously Callum Wilson um, not being there as well so I thought they did they they do I mean, look average without them two in there so I mean they do look they're very very lightweight without them in there um, I'm going to say this as well about their defence as well I know they've improved it with Botman coming in but I don't think they've improved defensively. No, I still think they... They do not look like a team that could keep a clean sheet if you... They had what? Because I know in every game, there's always going to be a period where the other team is going to have five, ten minutes possession Mm. and they start dominating the game. When you play against Newcastle in that five, ten minutes, they always look like they could concede. Mm -hmm. I mean... Interestingly... Dubravka moving on to United, it seems, this evening. I don't think think Nick Pope... I know it's only a couple of games into his career, but... I don't think um, Dubravka's done anything wrong. I like him as a goalkeeper. He's always been solid for Newcastle. Even ever since he came in, he's been, you know, one of the the goalkeepers you look at outside the big six and think, do you know what? He does a really good job. So it's a bit odd that they've replaced him with Nick Pope. I mean, because he hasn't odd. been nothing special either. He's, no, yeah. It was odd, and I think I said that at the time. But you know, seemingly that's what they've gone for. Um, as for Wolves, though, I mean Newcastle. We've said, I mean, absolutely brilliant goal from Saint Maximam. Um, oh, arguably could have won them the game when he was clean through. Um, right at the end there and he missed that um, but I think he pulled a hammy though he did he did he looked like he pulled up which and that's another issue they could have now going into this week could be another blow for them um, as for Wolves though it's the same 
same old story with them. I mean, I mean they're unlucky. Jimenez scored and they thought they had the game wrapped at 2-0, but there was a foul in the build-up that they pulled it back for. So, you know, that, that changed things. Um, but very interesting at Wolves, I feel. Um, they need the transfer window shut. Well, just reading speculation about their players. So, pre-game, they were talking about Willie Bolly being named as a sub, but then he didn't turn up. And that's no. because he wants to move, but he's moving to Nottingham Forest, which I find bizarre. It's a sideways, sideways. I know he maybe wants regular football, but I mean, uh, I'm now reading in the last couple of days that um, Huang He Chan, who they just signed and made a permanent in the summer, I believe, is potentially a target for Everton or Leeds, um, which is which is odd. Considering, yeah, we're linked with Pedro Neto. Then rumours are still not going away either. No. Um, so, lack of goals, but some of their best players in those kind of areas are being touted out. They are, however, being linked with um, Stuttgart striker Sasha Kaladisic, who is quite highly rated. But again, it's just Bruno Lager's bottom of the pole there in terms of being sacked. And I don't think, you know, I did say they would struggle this year because I thought there'd be a lack of investment. It looks like it's going to be investment, but it seems like it's at the expense of send you know signing a couple of selling a couple of players and signing them in yeah there's another one where they've got to be a one in one out potentially financial fair play could kick in as well, well they did spend big money on um the portuguese, portuguese yeah who looks a player by the way which alongside uh, ruben neves oh and you know they spent 98 million so far in the summer which is caught me by surprise because but again they are for, in order for that money to be spent, they are having to get rid of players. So, mm. um, but Bruno Larg again. So we said there that out of Stephen Gerrard, Leicester, and Brendan, and um, I can't remember the other one that we had in that poll. Now there was four <laughs> Lampard. Lampard, that's it. We're saying that he's the least likely to be. But again, you know, in terms of goals scored, they had chances, but they just. I mean, I must say they played really well. Maybe the goals will come, but we seem to have said that last season and then they just... Yeah, they're like Brighton, aren't they? They play night and tidy football. They've got their own style, but... And they look good and easy on the eye, but they just haven't got that killer instinct, that quality where they could got one, you know, bit of magic in them there. They can magic a goal out of nothing. Bit like what Newcastle, ironically, did to them. Yeah. So... I predicted at the beginning that there'd be ones to struggle and um, they are at the minute. However, they have invested in terms of better quality in terms of what I expected as well. Um, last telephone game on the Sunday was Notts Forest and Tottenham. Um, it didn't surprise me. I thought it'd be a similar game to that of Forest West Ham where it was a proper old school game of football with the atmosphere and, you know, quite fast pace and kind of agitated. And it had all of that. Forest, though, I mean, for all the, you know, 100 players that they have recruited, and it seems a never-ending kind of cycle of players at the moment. Yeah. But in fairness to them, despite they, all of that, they don't look like a team that are struggling to gel. It seems like whoever's playing... Is he's playing, playing well. well. Yeah. Um, I it's, thought they were 
if they were a bit, the only criticism would be of them. I think if they were a bit more clinical in the game against Spurs, they may well have, you know, scored one, and maybe we've got our both teams to score bet builder to come in. Um, Dean Henderson, since he gave that silly interview out, is actually and yeah, after that game so. against Newcastle on the first game of the season, he's actually stepped up to the plate and put in another decent performance for them again. Um, Tottenham, though. I mean, look, similar to Arsenal, really, you could argue this is the type of game that Tottenham probably went on to lose last season or drop points in. But, you know, it's enough for three points. It's a clean sheet. Harry Kane twice. Um, again, talking point, ironically, he missed the penalty. But, you know, he scored two goals. He's back on song. And here's the thing. Last season, it was all about Son scoring the goals and Kulisevsky in the latter part of the season scoring goals. This season, though, Son can't buy a goal for love and the money. Um, no. And it, it sounds a bit off. It sounds like Richarlison, who caused a bit of controversy, which we'll come on to in a sec, it sounds like Richarlison, Conte post-match, has said that Richarlison will get his spot in the next few games. So, it looks like, I mean, look, that's what, it, that's what competition is there to do, to be honest. That, that is the purpose. That was the purpose of signing Richarlison, I'm sure. And I don't think Son becomes a bad player overnight. But, you know, this is where Spurs would have struggled last season because he would have went on a barren run, just like Kane did. And then they would have got unexpected results where they dropped points. Whereas mm. this season, they've got competition. Son's not scoring. Kane is. But if Son's not scoring, they've got Richarlison. And, you know, they've got options to change it. So... Um, Perisic had, you know, a lot of there's a lot of talk about Perisic at the beginning of the season, saying, "Oh, 34, you, you know, don't know what you're doing, all this, that, and the other." Um, no, they knew exactly what they're doing when they brought him in. You know, he's and, not the most stylish. He's not the most, you know, coveted name that was would have been on the market. But it's like um, I've seen a few articles. He fits a system where if you play him in the position that he knows in a system that are all on the same page and how they play, he's devastating. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not just going forward either. He has surprised me defensively so far as well. Like the positions he takes up is, I've been surprised by him in that sense. Well, he's quite well educated from his time as Milan as a, as a wing back. Um, Yeah. So it'd be the, the, the defensive side of it, that's the thing we talk about Trent Alexander-Arnold in being talked about as a wing-back or someone like that. Forward, devastating, but he can't defend for anything mm-hmm. if you run at him one-on-one. Whereas you look at Perisic, he's got that know-how on how to defend. Well, he, okay, he's not going to win every battle. Not every fullback does. But defensively, if you put a need to be in a position for him to do a bit of defending, he won't, you know, sit back and just think, oh, you know what, let him go. He will battle. He will fight, you know, and he's not the quickest. No, no. It's about position. No, and so, uh, I mentioned Richarlison there. <clears throat> he was another one of the signings under Conte. Comes on, obviously made a massive impact, had a hand in the second goal. Now, Let's just talk about, he was a big talking point at the end of the game for his uh, innocuous 
showboating, as it were, as the media have portrayed it. And Steve Cooper at Forest has came out and spoken down about it. And the closest thing I can recall from this ever happening was when I think Nanny did this against Arsenal in the FA Cup game about five, well, it was years ago now, not even five years ago, years ago, um, when they won four or five in at Old Trafford and he'd done the kind of see, you know, knees up yeah. type thing. Now that was, you know, that was taking the biscuit. Has there been a slight overreaction to Richarlison? And the the term of showboat. I don't. I don't think there's any other reaction because at the end of the day, he got his punishment. You know, he got wiped out. Let's but, be honest. That's wrapping the players up. He's going to get wiped out. But you know, is he? Was he? I mean, I think back to the nanny one in that FA Cup game all those years ago, right? And that was blatant showboat, and he was doing sea line whatever. But. But again, I think I think back to when we were watching it when we were younger, and we watched the likes of like JJ Kocha and his rainbow flick against us and all his fancy footwork. Ronaldinho, you know, is it you want to can't you do want to see like the spirit of the game and tricks into the game? You know, he's done nothing wrong. Well, he's just come on, he's first time in a Spurs shirt and he's just enjoying himself. His team's too yeah. up and he's just had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a flicker. And it's not as if he took a player on and skipped it past them. He just kind of received the ball, flicked it up. Uh, and I don't... At the end of the day, what do you want him to do? Just control it normally and carry on? T- you know, if he's got a moment where he's got a bit of time in that, what's... I don't see nothing wrong with it. I must admit, I think it was slightly OTT that they said he was being unsportsmanlike because being unsportsmanlike to me would be That's, three or four yeah. years and, you know, doing it like a circus. He just casually did it when he received the ball and there wasn't even anyone really around him until that Forest player came in and took him out. Um, it's not like a goalkeeper's come out from it. It's not like Edison coming out and doing stuff like that and like the halfway line. No, I don't. And as you say, we appreciate the game for it. And I know it wasn't a skill made people go, wow, but he's a footballer enjoying his football. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think that was... We're not, apparently you're not allowed to celebrate things like that, though, Jason. The celebration no, police with their helps and their helmets and their sirens. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on and be controversial and say that wasn't as bad as Steve Cooper portrayed in his press conference. No, it if, was if if three or four Forest players were around him and he was doing it repeatedly, fair enough. But he just did it as he casually picked up on the ball. If he's taunting them in front of him in the corner flag or in front yeah. of, say, if that was he was at home and he did that in front of the Nottingham Forest away fan end in that corner flag, that's that's different. If yeah, he's purposely gone and done that, but for me, he's done nothing wrong. No, no. And um, as for Spurs, much like you, I mean, they're not quite 100%, but that's now 10 points from four games. Obviously, they had a draw against Chelsea. I think they'll be pretty happy with that, to be honest. As I say, they've probably, you know, they've beat Southampton and they dropped points there last season. They got a point at Chelsea and they lost there last season. So they're looking good. And for me, the good thing for Spurs is, I've mentioned this a couple of times, they're not even out of... um, third or second gear yet so the fact that they've got 10 points from the first yeah the only thing in regards to the game is I thought they were defending a little bit too deep at times I think they were a little bit too low and I did let Forrest in unnecessarily a couple of times if it was a better team or better quality on the field against them then they would have got caught but 
at the end of the day, I think that that is Conte's one. They've, they've got them well drilled. You know, they're going to hit you on the counter-attack. They are built to counter-attack you, regardless of who they're playing anyway. So, yeah, for me, no, if they need Son on Song, really, and they get, like you said, if he's not on Song, they've got the Charleston to come in and do a job. Yeah. Painted to say it, but they are looking decent at the minute. So Villa West Ham now both teams have been struggling and a lot of talk about both managers going into this game and the form that they're on and that both shouldn't be where they are. Um West Ham came out on top. It was a tight game. It was only a one-nil win, but they got the three points and a clean sheet. Um a deflected strike from Ben Rama gets them up and running. Has to be said, though, I mean, up until the changes Moyes made in the second half, the first half was diabolical, really. And poor. I mean, that had nil-nil written all over it. No energy. It? I mean, I had nil-nil. You know, um, it, it, it was very lacklustre from West Ham. Um, I don't know what's going on with Villa right now. I just do not understand what the plan is or the strategy what Gerard's trying to do. I mean, he's tried Danny Ings on his own. He's then tried Ollie Watkins on his own. Now, they have a better team with Watkins in it than Ings because Watkins can run in behind. You know, with your likes of your Coutinho's, your Baileys, you know, your Buendias can play the ball in behind. But then he tried playing them both up top together, which... For me, I don't think works as a partnership. No. And it I just think, doesn't. Uh, and I know it, they're trying to throw two names together that have scored historically a lot of goals, but they're not on the same page. No. They even look, don't look on the same page right now. Coutinho, in behind them, well, I don't. he's just lazy. He expects the game to come to him. He's not going to run you around like a headless chicken trying to win the ball back. He's expecting the likes of Watkins to do it. It's just, I don't know, is the team built around Coutinho then? Is it built around Watkins? Or who's it built? Because it's well, clearly, think, he's trying to build it around somebody. I think we've all said this with Aston Villa at some point or another, and when it came to their recruitment, in the how do you fit all those players together? But now, he's now created another issue with the captaincy, with time on Mings. And he's not dealt with that properly because he dropped Mings, captaincy and all, and now his main defender, who they bought off Severe, has gone off for the year. So yeah, now he has to play him. Well, he said he wants another centre-back in and he wants another, I think, attacking option in as well. Now... Let's, let's talk about Gerard very, very quickly um, on this, because it wasn't one of the televised games, but obviously it's a massive talking point in the context of Aston Villa Football Club. And he's been a major talking point since he's come in, to be fair. So if you look at the players they've brought in, obviously they've got Coutinho in on a permanent, caught everyone blindsided, and they've brought Kamara in from Marseille, which was a great coup. Um, yeah. Diego Carlos, obviously the setback you just mentioned there, who's unfortunately now injured. Yeah. Um, Blessed with attacking options with Leon Bailey, Watkins, Ings, you know, the list seemingly for them is endless there. 
you can't sugarcoat it with Gerard. I mean, it, it's quite funny because Gerard is very easy to forget that Gerard came in at a time where his stock was actually really, really high. You know, there were clubs. Yeah, look at Rangers. That Rangers team right now, most of that was built by him. Look well, what they've was, gone on to do. He was well courted before he got to Villa. Obviously, no one. Palace ended up going with um, Vieira, who was the relatively unknown option. There was a lot of fanfare when Villa uh, got Gerard, and a lot of excitement because of the money they chucked around on their signings. But here's the thing: so after 28 games in charge, he's now got the same win percentage as Gary Neville did at Valencia. <laughs> now, it won't take many of you very long to click but we could we all remember and there's still memes that go around about Gary Neville's time at Valencia you know forgotten about that (laughs) 28 games in he's won 10 drawn 5 and lost 13 and Villa fans are now turning up the heat as well but I I honestly honestly do not see where Villa go from here so after this game in a second we're going to come on to Chelsea Leicester and there's another manager in a bit of a sticky situation that Leicester I've already, yeah but no, I, I think that's a dip I, I still think that's a different situation but carry on ironically Villa go to the Emirates on Wednesday as you rightly point out go to City on the Saturday and then a week on Saturday they go to Leicester and it's Gerard versus Brendan Rodgers. That's going to be another one of those games, isn't it, where it could be like a Man United Tottenham loser gets loser gets sacked. Well, here's my thing. I know that would only be seven games in then, but if if the logic is Arsenal and City are not, excuse me, if the logic is Arsenal and Villa, uh, sorry, Arsenal and Man City are City, right yeah. top, the next game is that Leicester game. Then after that, they've got Southampton, Leeds, Forest. Now, for me, he's got to get something out of that Leicester game going into those three games because Southampton aren't going to be easy. Leeds, depending on how they go the next couple of games, this will be in October, so we'll have a good idea as to where Leeds are. But if you take early season form, they're not going to be easy. And then Forest away at the minute, in the mindset and mentality they've got under Gerrard, I can't see them getting anything out of that game. And that atmosphere at the minute, where they're just going so, to celebrate every game at, at the county ground, didn't they? So, I'm that is say, not a tough place to go. It depends on the manner of the defeats, I think. But I do think the board will probably think, mm, Arsenal at the Emirates tough, Man City's tough. That game, ironically, which will now lead us into Chelsea-Leicester game, I think, lands with Brendan Rodgers versus Steven Gerrard. And Mm -hmm. we move on to Leicester and Brendan Rodgers. Now, Chelsea needed... Chelsea went into... I mean, let's face it, they needed the three points. Um, Has to be said on Leicester's part, in fairness to Brendan Rodgers, it was nothing but... um, It it wasn't a straightforward piece for Chelsea by any stretch of the imagination. Um, could have been a very different game, to be honest, because Leicester had a late for you know fury with um, some chances, um, and they could have nicked something and nicked a point, but they didn't. It was um, Vardy will be licking his wounds. 
Sterling, importantly for them off the mark, because I feel like the pressure was building a little bit on his shoulders coming into that game. And the talk about Chelsea's transfer model, and we'll, we'll talk about more about that next week, because who knows who they're going to sign in the coming days. They've been linked with two, three, four, five, six players, um, and they'll probably only get a couple. Um, Fly them out to America first before they bring them back to England. Well, there is that. Um, but important win for Chelsea and two Shallowfield. And as for Leicester, probably a game they weren't expecting a result, but you know, they're about to lose for Fana for 80 million quid. And I think you mentioned it earlier, you're, you're completely spot on. I think the next couple of days for Leicester, interestingly, nothing's been muted for the last few days, but big point for Leicester now because Fafana is going all but a spectacular cock-up with, you know, medicals and so forth. So that, for me, is going to be the big test. And as you say, the difference between Rodgers and Gerrard is this is about a miscommunication for whatever reason at boardroom Mm. between manager and board in terms of expectation. Now, clearly, Rodgers has came out and said they had a conversation at the end of last season where he fully stated they would need um, players and he was kind of led to believe he was going to get some support, but that support's not been there. You fear for them. You really do fear they, for them. I, I think the sooner they can replace Vardy up front, the better. Well, I think defensively, I think Amati is not merely a centre-back by trade, is he? He's hmm. more further forward. I mean, a full-back's a decent. He's just, it just needs freshening up. Well, you've got players in there that have won things. Member for Leicester. I just think they do. The goalkeeper issue is still a strange one. Looking back on it, where it's come out of nowhere, where Peter Schmeichel is like, "Oh, see you later," or Cash for Schmeichel, should I say? Where they're now relying on Danny Ward. I'm like, okay, that's you know. The bench, they've got what Soyan Chu's dropped to the bench now. Daka, I mean, he still hasn't been given a fair crack of the whip, has he? Where you well, were singing his praises last year. Well, I don't believe you lose that instinct overnight, but then he's not, he's, in, that- he's not, he's not, you know, he's not playing regularly enough and they still prefer Vardy. So, but you know, Which I don't get it. Ian Acho, deadly on his day, you stick him up top, I and mean, he's a different type of player for Leicester, but maybe. He could be the type of player they need on the field, you know, where the different change of style, you know, might benefit them a bit more. Um, so just, to, just to wrap up then on that, so obviously Leicester in a bad way, Villa in a bad way, that game coming up on the 10th of September, who blinks first? Villa. I think Villa do blink first. Agreed. I think the confidence will be on the floor going into that game. Madison, I think Leicester, Leicester have got a match winner, of more match winners in there than Villa have at this moment. And that's all it's going to take, I think. Big talking points there is Gerald and Rogers, so they got a little bit more airtime, but there is a wider context and a bigger picture for both those football clubs at the minute, so important to cover that off. Last but not least, um, Brentford-Everton. Um, Everton, winless the start of the season struggles continue um to all intents and purposes actually um so 1-1 against Brentford by the way is how that one finished now from what I saw of Everton to be fair 
their midfield and their defence looks fairly functional, but it means nothing when you've got nothing up top and they're just not, you know, that's three goals in four games this season, no wins, Neil Morpay coming in, you know, yeah, they brought in Onana, who I think is a good player in midfield. Again, as I say, I think baseline defence, goalkeeper and midfield, you could argue it's not too bad a scenario for you know a Premier League team. But they've really got to sort out that front two or three. And yeah, the front line regulation is a major issue. Gordon, um, look, unless interesting, it, interesting you say about Everton because I. Defensively, because they are kind of starting to lay a little bit of foundation there at the back. You yeah, know, they've still got Pickford and goal, which for all intents and purposes is still England's number one. They brought in Cody, who I think was, I'm, I'm still surprised he left Wolves to be honest, to go down there, but he's always been solid as a defender. Tarkovsky, although he's, he was Burnley relegated and that, but again, he's got Premier League experience. Holgate, we've always had question marks around him, but again, he could learn off the likes of Cody and Tarkovsky. You know, they've got the kid Patterson in from Rangers, who I do rate as a fullback. Yeah, he looks they've spent a bit of money on him. You know, and on the other side, they've got Mikalenko, who's always been solid. So the fact, and then they've bought, spent a lot of money on Onana in midfield. So the foundation's there. So, you know, okay, they're not going to score many, but, you know, we're going to be trying to make it hard to break us down. But again, you do pay the ultimate price if you don't score goals. They've just got no flair, no... It's just flat, really, going up there. Just quickly on Brentford to wrap up. Um... Brentford, uh, the euphoric of Man beating Man United 4-0 is still lingering over them, isn't it? Where they haven't quite come down from that bubble yet. Well, they've been quite inconsistent, haven't they, this season? Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, bit big week ahead for them in terms of fixtures. They're away to Palace tomorrow, um, home to Leeds, away to Southampton, then at home to Arsenal, away to Bournemouth is the next five games. Um but, as you say, riding the crest of the wave a little bit from that United game, they still look decent, but part of them, I think, will be disappointed that they didn't get the three points against Everton because, you know, they've, you know, obviously got... A, normally, they've got a bit more attack and press about them. Um, Especially at home as well. The game against Palace tomorrow, just to wrap up for them, will be quite interesting because key area that gets talked about is Palace's weakness on set pieces. Brentford will go into that game, I think, licking their lips a little bit because they've scored four goals from corners this season. So they are, you know, they're kind of the king of corners at the minute. Um, Not far behind us then. Palace haven't lost any of the last seven home games. (laughs) Kiss of death, because that will probably happen. (laughs) Um, So big week ahead for them. Um, and big week on, just to kind of wrap up on that, um, a big week for all the teams because it is a double game week. All the games Tuesday, Wednesday um, are going to be live on BT, I think. So it's going to be think all of them, are, yeah. So it's going to be a bit of a juicy blockbuster there. And then, of course, going into the weekend following on from that, Villa will play City, as we've said. 
Chelsea play West Ham. So West Ham got two massive London derbies there. They'll be getting double the DVD releases out come the end of the year. Uh, brilliant for everyone. And then you... Oh, the club shop are going to be licking their lips. <laughs> and then you top off your weekend with the game against Man United at Old Trafford, which is arguably probably going to be a true test of your credentials this season. Um, you know, because typically a game against Villa is a potential banana skin last season for Arsenal and then the Old Trafford, who knows? So, um, big week ahead for Arsenal, you feel, in that respect as well. So, we will... We yeah, shall see. I think, yeah, I think the Wednesday, I think if you get how Villa are at the minute, I don't think it'll be a problem. I don't think... I, Fulham were playing well, Villa or not. And when you're playing a team out of confidence, it makes it that bit easier. It's the United game at Old Trafford. That's yeah. the one. If if you get a point there, that's not a bad point to take away, especially at this stage of the season. A hundred percent. Well, we'll see. Big week ahead, as I say, plenty to talk about. Um Scott's got it all to do because he's decided to jump on on a double game week with me next week. Um, so you've conveniently, after doing two weeks in the trot, are probably going to... you with us next weekend? I'm with you next week, yes. Oh, I'll be back I'll be listening to his opinions on how we start to the season. So that will work for you. So you'll be back with us. So it'll be the three of us together. There is a fourth person, by the way, but he's really busy with work by the seaside. And um, he's got... Um, like Scott, he's got a, a little one on the way as well. So, Cossie the Stranger, I mean, look, he's basically relegated himself from Norwich in the Championship now. So, um, <laughs> probably a pattern in that. He's gone down with him. Well, we'll be forever if he was on the show, to be honest, because I think Liverpool and Nottingham Forest and oh, Everton, his uncle's uncle live up there. So, look, we'd have to cover another four or five teams. Anyway, we'll hear back from him soon, I'm sure. But, um, until then, um, thanks again for joining us, Cookie. Thanks again. Two weeks in a row. Go have a lay down and put your feet up because uh, you've probably broken a sweat. And um, we will see you. Well, not see you. We will hear from you next week, and um, we will cover the double game weeks. And um, we'll see how Arsenal cracked on, and if um, they live up to their their recent hype. But don't forget, you're not allowed to celebrate. So Cookie, just rain it in a little bit, yeah. Yes, I'll put the party. You know, look at the party stuff away. Yeah, Maybe to Christmas. You get too far ahead of yourself. Um, on that note, thanks all for joining us, and uh, we will catch you next week. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Total Football Debate Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. It would mean the world to us if you could spread the word regarding our show and leave us a rating so we know how we're doing. Also, please, please, please interact with us on social media, especially on Twitter at TF Debate, where we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions on any of the topics we discuss each week. You never know, we may even get you on the show to say hello. Thanks again for listening and keep an ear out for the next episode.